All right, my name is Timothy Aaron, and we thank you for joining us for another episode of Mouth Sword Ministries. Um, I'm joined with Rhonda K. Kay. And um, we're going to do um, some more questions and answers. First, I want to um, offer the invitation of accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That's the number one priority of life. You know, about 2000 years ago, Jesus died on the cross for the sins of the world, past, present and future. And uh, he did it because uh, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Uh, Romans 10 and nine, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So I just want to encourage you that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that you accept him. All you have to do is just invite him into your life and accept him as Lord. And uh, from that day forward, you are saved. You declare that Jesus has died on the cross and he has been risen from the dead. You, If you believe all of that, you're saved. And, um, and then what you should do after that is just learn of him. Jesus said, learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So just learn what it is that he teach and what it is that he represent and stand for. And you have made the best possible choice you could ever make. Okay, I'm going uh, to go ahead and pray. <clears throat> Dear Holy Father, we thank you for another day you've given us. Uh, another day of your mercy and grace, life, health, and strength, food, clothing, shelter. We just thank you for all of that. Uh, we just ask that you continue to provide and continue to bless us and keep us and, and watch over us. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, um, let's uh, jump right into it. Let's um, go ahead and take a question. What question would you like to ask me to now? Okay, um, is it okay to say marriage vows? Is it okay to say marriage vows? Mm -hmm. Okay, um, I don't think it is. Um, I know marriage vows are really popular to say, you know, some people write their own vows and uh, a lot of times when people get married today, you know, the minister will lead them in marriage vows. And uh, but, um, you know, uh, once again, the Sermon on the Mount, you know, Jesus taught the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew uh, chapter five, six and seven. And uh, he gave his standards. He gave his new law, his new testament for his people. And um, and there was uh, something that Jesus said there that I think we overlook when it comes to marriage vows. And uh, let's go there. Let's go to uh, Matthew chapter five. And we're going to start at the 33rd verse. And Jesus said, um, again, you have heard. That the now I'm reading this time. I'm not reading in the King James. I'm reading out of um, the of the um, American Standard Version, I believe. He says, "Again, ye have heard that the agents were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord.' 
Verse 34, but I say unto you, Jesus says, but I say unto you. So right there, Jesus is talking about what Moses permitted or what Moses established. But Jesus is changing the standard. He says, but I say unto you. Now, you remember when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist, the heavens opened up and a voice from heaven, which was God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him. Hear Jesus now, not Moses anymore, not the prophets, but we got to listen to what Jesus said. So Jesus says, but I say unto you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall ye make an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Okay, but let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of evil. Okay, so, you know, I often wonder where did we get the whole marriage vow concept in the first place? Because. There were marriages in the Bible, but no one said marriage vows. So we didn't get it from the Bible. And um, <clears throat> in England, there was this book called the Book of Common Prayers made popular uh, by the religious group back then. The Book of Common Prayers. And that's where I believe you start seeing some of the first marriage vows. And uh, for some reason, uh, these marriage vows stuck. And became popular and now everybody feels like you're supposed to say marriage vows. But Jesus said, don't vow. He said, don't swear. He said, don't do it at all. And he says, and if you say, if you, if you promise, he said, evil comes when you do it. He said, let your communication be yes or no. Anything said beyond that cometh evil. So not only do people say marriage vows, and allow the evil come on their wedding day. But some people will actually renew the vows and re therefore they're renewing the evil. So we need to reconsider a lot of times what we believe in, what we do, what we think is sacred and holy when it could be just the opposite. You know, so so to answer your question, no, uh, we should not say marriage vows. Um you know, I think of uh, the Old Testament story uh, in Judges chapter 11, Jephthah. You know, he made a very, very stupid um, vow to the Lord. I mean, he was about to go to war and he was nervous. And we and, you know, we can understand that, you know, war is a serious business. You know, it's it's risky. But, you know, he was. Um, he was on the winning side, but he was still nervous, so he didn't have much faith. And so he made a vow that he was going to sacrifice the first thing that came out of his household when he came, when he returned back from war, if he got the victory. And when he got the victory and when he came back to his household, the first thing that came out of his house was his daughter. Right. And so he had to sacrifice his one and only child, his daughter. So. I believe it could have been because of this story right there that when Jesus came on the scene, he says, okay, 
no more vowing, no more swearing, because y'all don't seem to, you know, make good vows and good promises, you know, that you don't really give a lot of thought to. So he says, I don't want you to do it at all. <laughs> so I believe what what should happen at weddings is instead of vows, you know, the minister, the presiding minister over the wedding should just say a 10 or 15 minute, you know, sermon on marriage. And then ask the, the bride and the groom, do they understand? And then let them say, I do to that versus a bunch of vows and promises that Jesus said you shouldn't say at all. So um, that was a very good question. I think uh, that needs to be put out there and that needs to be reconsidered. Okay, you. Um, what other question do you have for me? Okay, explain Revelation 13, verse 3. The deadly wound that was healed. The deadly wound that was healed. Okay. That's a tough one. Revelations 13 and 3. Okay, in this chapter, John actually mentions um, mentions that three times in three slightly different ways each time. So he's given us different information about this wound every time. Let's, let's look at them real quick. Is this three verses in Revelations chapter three? So we're going to look at, um, I mean, Revelations chapter 13, verse three. We're going to look at verse three. We're going to look at verse 12 and we're going to look at verse 14. So verse three reads, uh, this is this is John talking here and, uh, and he says and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his daily wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast okay Now let's go down to verse 12. And it says, and he exercises all the power of the first beast before him and causes the earth and them which dwell therein to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. And then verse 14. And deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles which he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast which had the wound by a sword and did live. Okay. So this is what I call a prophecy within the prophecy. Okay, because um, in Revelations, John is prophesying. This whole book is a prophecy about the future. And then he is prophesying within the prophecy about an even further future. Okay, so let me uh, try to explain this the best way I can. Um, you have this seven head, 11 horn 
beast. Okay, according to Daniel, there was 10 horns and then the one little horn came up amongst the midst of the 10 horns and the little horn was the Antichrist. So you had this seven head, 11 horn beast. Okay, seven heads. You had one lion head, a four headed leopard, and you had a bear. So that's six. And then you had the great red dragon. That's seven. And then on the head of the great red dragon was these 11 horns, okay? And the little horn was the Antichrist. And so in Revelation chapter 19, when Jesus comes back with the sword in his mouth, the Bible says he takes the Antichrist and the false prophet and he, he casts them in the lake of fire, okay? So now remember where the uh, little horn is located. The little horn is located on the head of the great red dragon. So if Jesus comes and takes the little horn, he just ripped the horn out of the beast head. Okay, so this is the deadly wound that was healed because when he does that and he casts the Antichrist in the lake of fire, now that leaves the great red dragon with this gaping wound, right? And then the the great red dragon is cast into the bottomless pit, okay? And then after a thousand years, he comes out of the bottomless pit. So this is the deadly wound that was healed, okay? And so that's what this is referring to, that whole, um, that whole scene right there of the second coming of Jesus, Jesus taking the Antichrist and the false prophet and casting them into the lake of fire, leaving this wound in the great red dragon's head. And then the, the great red dragon goes into the bottomless pit, the great red dragon, which is the devil. And then he comes out of the pit. So he suffered a wound, a deadly wound, but it was healed when he comes out of the pit. And all the people of the earth wondered uh, after this beast. So that's what that is talking about. And that's why I call it the prophecy within the prophecy, because um, John is talking about uh, a scene before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then he's talking about a scene after the thousand year millennial reign with Christ. So he jumps in the future and then he jumps way in the future. So but he does that so that you can know what beast he's talking about. So when he talks about the beast that had the wound with the sword, the sword in Jesus's mouth, uh, he's, he's letting you know he's talking about the great red dragon, Satan himself. He's not talking about the false prophet. He's not talking about the Antichrist. He's talking about Satan. OK, so um, I hope that was. Pretty clear, that was about as clear as I can get it. Um, but it comes together, you know, when you think about it, it all comes together. So, um, guess we about out of time. I like to try to keep our episodes under 20 minutes. Um, so if you have any, uh, questions or comments, good or bad, we would like to hear from you. You can contact us at T Aaron at thief in the night ministries.com. That's T Aaron, and that Aaron is spelled double A R O N at thief in the night ministries.com. 
um, with any questions or comments. Um, you have any questions or anything you want to say at this time? All right. Okay. Well, I guess on that note, we will end in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you again for another day you've given us. Uh, We thank you for your word and uh, we thank you for giving us a desire to study your word. We just ask that you bless the the listeners out there. Uh, Meet meet them where they are. Uh, Give them a desire and an appetite for your word as well, Lord. In the mighty, precious, wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.